Welcome to our podcast, Proactive, the podcast where we dive deep into the realms of productivity. This is not a podcast just about being productive in business or achievement. Our hosts, Dr. Tina, Richie, and Arthur, and our guests each week will provide you with tips, strategies, and insights to supercharge your best life. Proactive is about being productive mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And if you are ready to produce your best life and balance being with doing, hit the subscribe button and get proactive. And now let's welcome today's guest. So I am here today with my friend and neighbor, Marvin Kaufman. Marvin, how old are you? 97, just turned it yesterday. Happy birthday. <laughs> Thank you. So if anyone has produced an amazing life, it is someone who is here at the age of 97. He lives by himself, totally still active, still energized, still going to the gym when he drags himself to the gym, just like all of us, still interacting with friends, neighbors, family. He's had a long career. He spent 50 years working in management in the garment industry. And this man knows how to read society. He said he knew when business started leaving America and heading overseas, it was time to change careers. So he did. And he became self-employed and for 25 years worked at Paramount Studios, helping them with their blueprints. And same thing, when that went digital, he decided it was time to switch and change his life and he sold his business. He's been retired for the past 20 years, but retired does not mean he's retired from life. He is a docent or has been at the Natural History Museum for a very long time. 20 years. 20 years. Wow. He told me he stopped when the politics got too much to handle. If anyone else can appreciate politics at work. Yeah. He can, well, right? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> no fun. He has and continues to sing in a men's choir for over 60 years. And I see him regularly pouring over the music in his industrious garage because he is so active in this singing and this chorus. This man knows how to enjoy life. His life has been full of ups and downs like everybody's life, and we'll get to that. He's still active in our board, in our, our homeowners association. Again, he's active with family, friends, the gym, and we're going to just pick his brain on how to make it to 97. That's easy. Wow. Easy. Easy for <laughs> you to say, right? What an entrance, I tell you. Yeah. So <laughs> tell me, like some people go through life just winging it, or did you make plans? Like it's New Year's time and it was your birthday. Do you, do you actively yearly come up with a plan of action or a plan of how you're going to be in the next year? You know, everybody talks about uh, when they start out in life, uh, deciding what they're going to be like, what they would like to be like five years from now, 10 years mm -hmm. from now, or when I'm 60 years old. I never did that, but things just somehow felt my way. Mm -hmm. They, I, I, I don't know. I can't explain. It. I didn't plan it. Okay, so you let life but, happen. But you, you know what? It, it, Yogi Berra said it the best way. When you come to a fork in the road, take it. Mm -hmm. And th that's about the way that I, you, you don't know which way to go, but it works out all right. And maybe because my attitude is that I got to make it work. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's it. Yeah. Whatever it is. 
whatever you do, do do the best job you can. Uh-huh. And that's my motto. I have made no long range plans. Uh, I, it's like yeah, yesterday, I put off getting my driver's license because I was afraid I was going to flunk it again. Okay. I passed. I barely passed, but I passed. Okay. And then I started thinking, God, in another five years, I have to do it again. And in five years, I'll be 102. That's that's a kind of a challenge. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's what I'm looking for. I'll make it to, to, to 102. <laughs> okay. So it's funny that you should say that because right before we were on this podcast, I was speaking to my friend and his mom made it to 102. Great. And yes. she also living on her own all I'm, by herself. I'm finding more and more people in their 90s and some into their hundreds already that I know that that are making it. And, uh, and I think because they want to make it. Mm-hmm. And I've seen mm-hmm. too many of my friends who didn't want to. Mm-hmm. I, I I keep thinking about a colleague of mine that I had when I was working at the museum. She was about ten years younger than me, and she was she looked healthy. Her husband died many years ago, and when he died, she bought herself a van and did traveling in her retirement. Mm-hmm. She had no, she didn't have a job or anything, but she worked at the museum. She was a docent there also, as I was. And uh, the last thing I knew, we were doing a, a Zoom when the museum closed down mm-hmm. for the for the COVID thing. Uh, we we, we st- decided that every Friday, we, we all, that was always our day to, to meet and, and go docenting. We would have lunch, and we enjoyed the camaraderie of the lunch and all that. And we just we had a good time. We had talked politics. We fought and all that. Over one day, I see she's got somebody there with her. Turned out to be her daughter, an adult daughter, who came. And we found out later she had called because she just wasn't feeling good. The next day, the daughter came into the room and said, alone, said, my mother is contracted uh, infection or bladder or something like that. And she says, she won't be with you now. And then the next thing, next week, she said, she's in hospice already. Wow, really fast. So I wrote her a letter. I said, you know, hey, don't give up the ship. I mean, there's, there, there's so many things they could be doing. And she looked great. She was not decrepit or old, wasn't uh, <laughs> bed bound or anything like that. And she says, no, enough's enough. Mm. She did not want to live. And that, I, in observing a lot of my friends, the ones who want to live, live. You know, have you ever read, um, Arthur, you might fill me in, I'm blanking on his name, who, the psychiatrist from World War II, who wrote about who survived and who didn't. Um, Victor Frankl? Yes, Victor Frankl. Ah, Man Search for Meaning, yeah. But but that's but that was exactly what he said in the camps was that people who had a reason to live yes. stayed alive if they had a why if they had a purpose if they knew why they wanted to be alive yeah then they stayed they they fought to be alive and had and lived longer so that's I think I, I firmly believe in that now one observing all of these people that 
have, have known and have died and some who just hang in there. Mm -hmm. And it's a will to live or the will to die. Yeah. If you don't have nothing to live for, I guess you die. I don't know how to explain it. Mm -hmm. How do we get a will to live? What does that look like for you? Driving at 102, doing archery? I mean, what? What, uh, what, what do I do? I don't do, I mean, I do nothing exceptional, really. Uh, I'm thankful that I can still drive my car. I've still gotten my vision and I passed my my driver's test. I'm blowing that out to everybody. Let, let them know I passed. I feel, I'm elated. You're still celebrating. I did not think I was going to do it. And uh, uh, so I, I don't know. Uh, I think, I, I think I'd like to, stay on for a while okay yeah and, and what do you contribute your desire to wake up every day you know you were married before yes. right and your I'm wife married twice you're married twice and they're both dead okay did you kill them <laughs> huh? did you kill them? <laughs> Jeez, ouch yeah so that was uh yeah it, it's a shame so how did if you survive they, the grief and you lost a child and that's even I, more difficult i lost my son 20 years ago yeah. And and my daughter is I've got problems there. I'll talk to you later. I want mm -hmm. to talk about that later. All right. Uh and uh but I I guess I have a curiosity about life. I'd like to see what's going to happen in the next 20 years. Mm -hmm. It's going to happen fast. Mhm. Mm Accelerating. We we are so going so fast. Too fast for me sometimes. Mhm. Mm uh I enjoy singing in the chorus is a lot of work but it's work when once i somehow when i get up on stage to, to for a concert it just feels good mm -hmm. the adrenaline starts to flow and i, I feel great okay and it and happened to my fellow choristers also so it's purely pleasure for it, you absolutely. it's work getting to the yeah i don't have uh, my, my voice is not great but we, we, are, we have a we have a good a few good voices. Well, one of our uh, uh, one of our great voices in our course. He's been he's been there longer than I have. Used to pitch for the Dodgers, believe it or not, a huh? long time ago. Yeah, yeah. And but he he's got a good voice. I don't, but that's all right. They okay. put up with me <laughs> somehow. They do. Well, it sounds to me, which is a lot of some stuff that I've taken to heart and I it's nice to see that it works in you is I feel like when you stay curious you stay more like a child and that is yeah when yeah. you you don't grow old until you decide to be old and if you stay curious you stay childlike and it keeps you young and you're proving that by the words you're using your frame of mind is important yeah you got to think young mm -hmm. uh, I can't do the things I used to be able to do but I'm still hobbling around uh, you do I, more than hobble. I have I have a walking stick, but I'm adamant about the fact that I think that some of the medications that they are giving me now is is having side effects, and that's the only thing. I don't have uh, I don't get dizzy. I don't faint. Mm -hmm. How I much do you walk? Huh? How much do you walk? Not enough. How I much should... do you like to walk? I never like to walk. Okay. What did What I did mean, you do I when should, you were younger for activity? Uh, well, I once in a while I get to the gym, but I've got to make a better schedule for myself. I've got to go more than that. It should be more than just once a week or something like that. Mm -hmm. uh, but I still 
take care of myself. I watch what I eat mm -hmm. very carefully. And uh, I just, I don't get sick. Mm -hmm. I, I don't get sick. Uh, yes, I have arthritis. That comes with the territory, I guess. But that's uh, that's about all. I can't think of anything else. And it's the curiosity to see what life is going to be like. Who knows? And, and worrying about where we're going as, okay. as, as my, by myself or as a nation. I mean, we all worry about that. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. We're, we're all going to see. Do you spend more time worrying or do you spend more time no. in pleasure? I, I Pleasure. I don't I okay. don't worry. I don't worry. No. And how did you bounce back from grief? If you lose your wife and you lose a second wife and you lose your son, this, what's what's the it, resiliency? How do you maintain resiliency? Uh, you, you can't waste time on grief, I don't think. Mm. It's happened. And and uh, it's it's like, you know, it, it's it's sad when someone dies before you, what you think is their time. Mm -hmm. When my parents passed away, they were way up in age. And they, How old were your parents when they died? My dad was 89. Mm -hmm. And I'd like to, if I go, I'd like to go just the way he went. He he was, he kept himself in good shape. Uh, he was not overweight. He watched the way he, his motto was always leave the table a little hungry. Mm-hmm. So he, he never, he wasn't overweight. Do you know English is the only language where we say I'm full? Every other language says I am not hungry. I didn't know that. <laughs> did you guys know that? I, I, remember I did not know that, no. Yeah. Wow. We're but, supposed to eat till we're not hungry. Yeah. We're not supposed to eat till we're full. But my dad, when he died, it was a class act. He 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 was he was at that time he was already in a uh, a rest home, but he he moved around. He, he got around. He didn't drive anymore, and uh, every night he would sit down at, at eight o'clock to watch the news. At ten o'clock they woke him up to go upstairs to go to sleep. One night they went to wake him up. He was gone. Mm. That was it. Hope it was a good night of news. <laughs> Maybe it was the news that was yucky. We. <laughs> He would get angry at the news. Oh, <laughs> yeah, he would get angry at that. But he was he was all right. Uh, he he lived a good life. Mm -hmm. And uh, how about your mom? How old was she? She was uh, she was about eighty two or eighty three, and uh, she had a hard life. She was uh, she had a hard life with with her father. He was a, an old fashioned European man. And so was my dad too. So my dad didn't gave her a hard time too. I mean, not physically, mm -hmm. but uh, he, he would. And she was. I think she was smarter than my dad. Mm -hmm. So I, uh, and I don't think she wanted to live. Mm -hmm. She was done. Yeah, she said enough is enough. Mm. And how hard or easy was your childhood? It was an easy one. Yeah, I can remember. I, in, I lived during the depression, mm -hmm. and uh, there were people around us that were having problems. But somehow, we mustered, went through it, got through all right. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I can't remember any hardships or anything of that sort. We had food on the table. We had hand-me-down clothing mm -hmm. from relatives, and we one passed them out to the other. That was the, the thing then. Mm -hmm. if, if your kid outgrew it. 
give it to the next relative. Someone else. Uh -huh. And and I, I don't think anybody suffered. Did you live in close community with relatives? Yes, we had. We were lived in Cleveland, Ohio. Mm -hmm. And we had a close neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it was uh, I, I can't remember any hardships mm -hmm. whatsoever. I I was in the army for a year. Uh -huh. And I I right near the end of the World War mm -hmm. II. And did you see any action? No, thank goodness. I didn't mm -hmm. see any action. I was ready to go overseas and somehow I didn't go. I didn't go. So that was only a year. That was it. I what was your how did it affect you emotionally to be in the army at that time? Part of the greatest generation, right? It was it you know what? It it didn't bother me one bit. And in fact is that uh it was a kind of a relief for me. I, I didn't have to worry about anything. Mm -hmm. It was all taken care of me for me. In three meals a day. Yeah, three meals a day. And, and I and they and they trained me. I became a uh uh what they called a high speed radio operator. At that mm -hmm. time it was the old Morse code uh -huh. radio and things like that. So I was trained at that. So it was the first Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> Something. That was right. World War II Zoom. Yeah, that's right. So, but that basically is a non. It, I was not an exceptional person. I don't believe. They, when when I when I pass, they're not going to write my name on, on anything. I'm not. I'm not going to have any accolade. So, so, so how do you define a successful life? Because you're taking away, in my mind, the Success can be in the connections and how you touch other people, right? Maya Angelou says, no one will remember what you say. They'll just remember how you made them feel. Yeah. So so how do you define a successful life for you? I don't know. I, 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 yeah, I'm having trouble trying to come up with a definition. Maybe that's why you got to live to 120 so yeah. you have time to figure that I, out. I don't, I don't worry about it. I really don't. You were in one job longer than I've been on the earth. My question is, how did you stick at it? How did you stick at that job? How did you, you stay productive? For, your first job is for 50 years. He's 50 not even years. 50 yet. Yeah. He's not even 50. 50. Yeah, I, I worked still... 50 25 in one phase of business and 25 in another. One, I the, la the last phase, I, I owned my own shop. And there's nothing, I'll tell you something, there's nothing like owning your own business. Hmm. It's uh, better, much better than working for somebody. I like being able to sign the paychecks. Mm -hmm. Although m meeting a payroll is not always easy. Yep. <laughs> but uh, somehow the, the boss writes the profit when he writes the. That's that's how it works. That's that was my motto there. Mm -hmm. I was I was I owned it. So it felt good to own your own business. It, that, very good. I mean, I, why did I wait so long? Why did you wait so long? I don't. Just, just. I, I was momentum was not there to move me into anything else. I was pushing into other things. Mm -hmm. Like I told you, when I was in the garment industry, the garment industry went overseas, offshore. There's no work for me. I was managing garment factories, and I was good at it. I enjoyed that. I enjoyed, and uh, I, just, I got to be in my own business. And this, I, I took the cue from my dad. For the longest time, he worked for somebody else. 
And then somehow something occurred that pushed him into his own business in the same business. He was a house painter. And he became a contractor. And he did very well. So uh, that he, when we moved to, to Los Angeles where he really branched out and he did a lot of work for a lot of movie stars. Mm -hmm. they, they wanted him. So and he was he was happy now. He's, he was happy because he was in his own business. So I don't know. Uh, how, success, how do we define success? That's, that's, I have no way of defining it. How do you define success, you personally? Um, I've been pondering that. I think See? success is truly living aligned with who you are and being, <laughs> being who I am Always, whether it's at work, at home, with friends, with family, okay. staying, staying the course and being myself and then noticing perhaps where I want to pivot and rotate and transform, but having it stay, I'm staying the course of me in mm -hmm. a sense. Um, that's a personal definition, right? I don't know. Um, and, and ideally my, my overarching success that comes from within i want to leave the earth a better place than when i arrived all right the theme of this podcast as you related before is was how do we be, become productive right and productive and, and it takes many uh, facets right okay i have to ask myself i don't know when i was working for instance when i was in the garment industry i was productive and I was able to run a factory, a sewing factory, and produce a product at a price that my boss would be happy with, mm -hmm. and a quality product. Right. Sounds pretty productive to me. So that, I guess, now that you're bringing it out in me, yes, that's that that's part of it. And uh, it's the same thing when I had my blueprint shop, mm -hmm. where it's producing blueprints for the for not only for the movie industry where I was located, but for architects and engineers all over. In fact, and we had some interesting customers sometimes. Being in the, the at, at Paramount, I was in the entertainment industry. Uh, we I remember we had one customer that came in and did something very different. He was the one who designed prize-winning floats for the the parade, the New Year's parade. Rose Bowl. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that was that was producing things that he enjoyed doing. Mm -hmm. He was good at it. And he would make these long panoramas for the float, to make the float. Mm -hmm. uh, and he would be on, he would ride in the parade every once in a while. His name was Raul. You remember that name? No. He rode through in on the float, and he had a, his pet parrot on his shoulder. Mm -hmm. And this is what he came in every January and started the work for the, the next, next January. Year. So it took him a year to build the float. Not just one; he, he oh. made many. Oh, okay. He got he won a lot of prizes uh -huh. for that, and that to me that looked productive to me. Yeah, when we did that, and the, and the floats were beautiful that he made. Yeah. So you helped produce things. Yeah, oh, yeah, that was it. That was I. I was a part of it. Yeah, 
And in in the movie industry, that we we worked on a lot of things for them for the set designers, uh -huh. all of that. That was that was very fulfilling, I think. Mm -hmm. well, now so, it's different. Yeah, but it sounds like you used creativity. Yeah, and drive, and and you never saw a change in the road or a stop in the road as something to hold you back. No. It was something that, okay, it's time to change. It's time to pivot. It's time to do something else. And then you found a new way to be creative and a new way to produce things and a new way to interact with new people. And you kept going. Something always came up the right way. Mm -hmm. Well, we trust the universe. I was lucky, I think. Yeah. A lot of people would say that's what the universe does. When yeah. you stop struggling, the universe gives it to you nicely. Yeah. How did you bounce back from when stuff wasn't going your way? What did you do to keep going? Well, the only bad turns I've had, of course, the death of my son was, was a hard thing for me to take. Yeah. And he was on his way to doing, he, he, he had a lot of talent. Mm -hmm. He spoke five languages fluently. Wow. So, and that was, and he just had his knack for languages. Mm -hmm. And he got this from his mother, my first wife. Mm -hmm. And the same mother of my daughter, I, I was going to talk, talk to you about, who, uh, she has a knack for languages too. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and I, I, you know, I admire them. I, I don't have a knack for languages. I try to learn a language. I can't learn it. So... Some of that is, um, they say the brain, when you're, if you're a child and you learn extra languages as a child, the window for learning languages stays open. Oh, yeah. And so if you weren't introduced to other languages as a child, your brain developed differently. My grandson, who lives in Italy, speaks three languages fluently. Mm -hmm. Three, fluently. But he learned it from, the, he was when down he was to the, little. He was very little. Mm -hmm. Was he born in Italy? Born in Italy. Mm-hmm. And and my my son wanted to make sure that he didn't speak uh, English with an Italian accent, mm. so he never spoke to him ever. He never spoke to him in in uh, Italian. Oh, interesting. He only spoke to him in English. So he did English, and the wife, the mom, did Italian. No, she said she wanted him to learn her. She has a separate language also. Oh, what's her language? She she was born in a village up. Uh, in the old, before World War One ended, it was called Luzerna, and they spoke, the founders of that village came over the Alps from Munich, so they were German. Mm -hmm. And so the language that developed in Luzerna was called Cimbro, C-I-M-B-R-O. And they spoke it all, everyone spoke it there. So she said to her son, my, my grandson, he said, I want you to learn Chimbro. So she spoke nothing but Chimbro to him. Oh, wow. And then dad spoke English, and then everybody in town and school and spoke Italian. The dinner table wow. there was, they, they, how they, they spoke three languages at the dinner table. Wow. <laughs> she's, she speaks Italian. My, my daughter, who has this knack also, she doesn't have the same drive as my son had. But uh, my my daughter-in-law, her, her sister-in-law, speaks uh Says she, she, she speaks Italian like a native. Mm -hmm. She knows. She just was good at it. Yeah. When she she uh, visited Portugal for about a month, she was speaking Portuguese in no time at all. Wow. Some people have that knack. Yeah. I, I don't. 
Mm-hmm. I, 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 learned, I had to learn Spanish because I worked, I was managing a shop in San Juan, Puerto Rico, and I had to learn it when you have to. Mm -hmm. That's it. How did you guide your children into their careers? I didn't. Okay. I think I don't know why I didn't. Uh, they confer with me periodically. I don't know. Maybe maybe I did have some influence. I don't know. I don't know. It sounds like they've they've certainly got the adaptability from you and the resilience. Yeah. And, you know, that's that's something that certainly sounds that they've taken away from you. So you might not have guarded them, but you know, naturally they probably watched you as they grew up and they saw how adaptable you were, no matter what the situation is or what was put in front of you. And they just took it naturally from you. Now, you told me the other day, I just want you, if you're willing to tell some of our listeners, some of your rules that you think have helped you live your secrets of staying healthy. Okay. <laughs> Every night before I go to bed, I have a shot of tequila. So I think that's a good one for <laughs> everyone to know, right? <laughs> now, yep. there's Yep. a reason. I, 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 I read my labels when I shop to make sure. And they, they forced me to do that. I, my provider is, is uh, the VA, and they're very good with me. They really are. But... Uh, I watch what I eat. I'm very careful, but I learned a long time ago how to keep my immune system high. I I haven't had a cold in 40 or 50 years. And I know how to handle this if I do feel one coming on. What do you do if you feel one coming on? The first thing is a fast. Okay. And we're, it works like a charm. And I'm I'm careful about what I foods I combine. One of the things I take every day. I go at Trader Joe's. They have a, a bar, a big bar of Belgian chocolate, and I take it's it's the bitter stuff, Mm -hmm. Dark thirty-two chocolate. percent in cocoa, and I take one about one ounce of it every day, and it keep, picks you up. It's like smoking a joint. <laughs> Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. it really is. It, it it gives you, and I do that every day, Excellent. and then I just watch what I eat. And I listened to what my dad said, always leave the table a little hungry. Mm So hmm you're never over overweight. And you, and it's good to if if you're overweight, it's a good way to control your weight, mm your hmm calories. So that basically that that's it. Just watch what you eat. Don't Was and it you who told me to take cold showers or was that someone else? no, no, someone else. Okay. I don't like cold showers. I, I don't like them at all. <laughs> All right. And how much do you prioritize pleasure every day? Such as, what do you mean prioritize? I mean, how important is, is it to you every day to make sure you do something that puts a smile on your face? I don't worry about that. But do you, do you make sure you're smiling every day? Maybe I think I... smiles every day. Here's a guy who quoted Yogi Bear and said, when you get it, come to the fork in the road, take it. Yeah, I know. And That's what And, I'm saying. and The guy is totally happy. here's another Yogi Berra is if I had known I was going to live this long, I would have taken better care of myself. There That's you another go. one of his things. Yeah. I love his, his George thing. Burns probably had some fun ones too like that, right? <laughs> I don't know what, what, what I can call pleasure or not. I don't know. I, I never think about it. 
Am I happy or am I unhappy? Correct. I never ask myself that question. Uh, I'm not. I don't. I don't consider myself an unhappy person. It seems to me you're a happy person. I think I, so. My my yeah. step grandmother who died when she was almost 105. Right this this March of 2023. Who's that? Somebody you know? Who's stepmom? What's her secret? I, I'm not even sure. But my step my grandfather died when he was I think 79 in 1980. She uh -huh. basically. Stayed in the same apartment, didn't change a lick of furniture ever. Started at uh, Kingsborough Community College. You were talking about not grieving or, you know, moving through, which I think Tina would, you know, applaud. Then, you know, she started this grief therapy session for the whole time until she could, you know, how to stay home with COVID. I mean, talk about living the grief every day. It was nuts. It was not so. I, I think he has it right. I think he totally has it right. You you deal with it. You process, right, Tina? Yeah. You yeah. And then you move through and hit the next fork in the road. Well, what are what are emotions? What do I say? They're energy in motion, and they got to be moved through. Otherwise, they say stuck to your cells. Stuck to your you cells. Feel, what you feel heals. What you resist persists. Yeah. And then you gotta you gotta starve a cold and feed a fever. Yeah, that's a good way. And I never remember that. So thank you. Well, that's what that's what my fasting is about. The whole point in fasting is it's, it's very simple. Uh, the body has this tremendous capacity to heal itself if you give it a chance. Now, on the other side of the coin is the hardest work that your body does is digesting food. Mm. So if you relieve it from that job of digesting food and let it concentrate on healing your body, you don't get sick or you, you get rid of whatever you have almost immediately. Basically, that's it. And that's why I, I don't, I find myself not fasting anymore. I Once in a while I do, if I catch it, if I sniffle or something like that, but not, not as much as I used to. Mm -hmm. I used to, when I was working, I'd fast one day a week. Mm -hmm. That and, was your Shabbat. Huh? So that was your Shabbat. That was my Shabbat. Okay. <laughs> no eating. Like they say to rest the rest the fields, you know, and the slaves rest. You're, you let your gut rest. Well, the Jewish Shabbat is if you're not supposed to have, have even water. When you, you can't do it. That's you, just you, Yom Kippur. Yeah. You, That's just Yom Kippur. No, I think all... all the fast days, but not, yeah. Yeah, but not yeah, Shabbat. But yeah, all right. Shabbat. We only fast the Yom Kippur anyhow. Right. So I, I don't know. I don't know the answer. Uh, I, I think the answer is your frame of mind. I think that runs everything. I love it. I think you're right. And I love the fact that you stay curious. I think yeah. staying childlike and curious, look at you it. don't grow old until you act old. Yeah, look you at, never do look, that. Look at people who are despondent all the time. You see them all, all the time. And, and they don't last long. They don't. That is true. That so is... They're anxious to get rid of this life. They want to get out. They're ready to go to the next one. Well, what, what, next what? The next life. <laughs> you you believe in reincarnation? I do, but that's another story. Do you really? Yeah, I'll give you a book to read. I, what what is book the book? To... I'm reading one right now. But... The book is called Many Many Lives, Many Masters, and it's by a psychiatrist who um, had a woman with a lot of phobias, and the only way he could start treating her, nothing was working. 
So he tried some hypnosis. Yeah. And 90 sessions later, she was healed. And in these hypnotic sessions, she would bring back past lives. And there would, there was, it's an incredible story. And he didn't believe in any of this stuff until he went through this with her. And the stories and the the times when she's in other lives, the times when she's in between lives. Yeah would come out in her hypnotic states. And it was it's a very powerful book. But I finished the one I'm on now, which is not written very well. <clears throat> I'm going to ask you for that title again. Yeah, it's a great book. It's, and written by someone who absolutely didn't believe in didn't, it. Yeah, I know. Didn't believe in it. What's the name of it? Many Lives and what? Many Lives, Many Masters by Dr. Brian Weiss. He's the chief of psychiatry at the University of Miami. I think he's Harvard trained. I mean, it is not a... He's not a woo-woo guy, and yet the book, he wrote it about 20 years ago. He's written several since, yeah. um, and just blows, it just. My my second wife felt that way. She felt the reincarnation. She felt there was a past life. She was sure that we would meet one of these days later on. I mean, she's dead now. Mm -hmm. dead. Yeah, it's well, fascinating, yeah. fascinating stuff. It is, it is. Yeah. All right, on that note, we that's another whole ball of wax for another day. A little okay. bit beyond our pay grade on this fork. That's another fork in the road. That is another <laughs> fork in the road. All right, so we are going to let our readers go and our listeners. So Proactivators, once again, it's all the time we have for today. I'd like to thank our guest, Marvin, for their amazing insights. Thank you for letting me get in, in your group here. Thank you very and much. And I would share his links, web, and social media, but I don't think he has any. No, I do not. I will not. Okay. So just keep listening and maybe we'll have Marvin on for some amazing new insights at another time. Remember that our podcast drops every Monday at 9 a.m. Please subscribe, share with friends, and until next time, remember, time is our most valuable resource. So get proactive. Be productive to ensure you produce your very best life.